I need y'all to come alive from me. Preach to me. Preach back to me. All right. So uh, before, you know what? I'll read the 23rd Psalm and then we'll, we'll get into everything. You guys ready? So we're in the 23rd Psalm. Some of y'all don't even need to open your Bible. Most of y'all memorize this in the first grade, but um, I'm going to need a little help. All right. Uh, now I'm reading from the CSB, so the translation might be a little different than the way you were brought up with the King James. Okay. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Woo, that is a testimony. That just that commitment that I'm going to remain in the house of the Lord as long as I live is a commit is, is, is a strong commitment. So the thing that I, I begin to ask myself is if God is all sufficient, then what does he depend on? Mm. Because in most cases, when you look at our parents, they're everything that we need growing up in our childhood. But then you find out later on in life that they had some hard times. And they depended on some things to help supply and help meet needs. Uh, but one thing that I found out about God is that God is all sufficient. Amen. And we talked about this on Wednesday night. So I'm going to give some of you a little, little synopsis of what we discussed on Wednesday night just to lead you to where I want to get you to. Uh, we went to Genesis 1 and it says, in the beginning, God. And I had a problem with that text because God is eternal. So not only is God a spirit, but God is eternal. We dealt with these two attributes of God a few weeks ago, right? So if God is eternal, then what was the beginning? <laughs> Which tells me that Moses, when he wrote Psalm or Genesis 1, he had to use his finite mind because he could not even imagine an eternity that was eternal before anything was. So he puts the word beginning but if we're talking about an eternal God, there was never a beginning. So it actually should be in eternity. God Amen. created the heavens and the earth. And what makes God so self-sufficient is that God created everything out of nothing. Amen. So when you see the word create, it's not like the word create. We think of now uh, we, we have this new group of uh, millennials that call themselves creatives. Uh, but if we tell the truth and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a early stage, I'm like one year into being a millennial. So I'm a millennial. I'm just like one year in. I, I just got in. Uh, but when you look at millennials who call themselves creatives, uh, they fail to understand that they're not necessarily creatives because everything that they create is not self-sufficient. They made something out of nothing that is not true. That's right. They made something out of something. But what makes God so amazing is that God took nothing yeah. and made something. 
God had nothing here. The Bible says that the world was without form or void. The world was formless. The world was purposeless. The world had no order. The world had no structure. And God was able to take something that was nothing and make something. Y'all with me? So if God does this, then it means that he is the creator of all things, which would actually give him the true definition of what a creative is. So I'll give you an example real quickly. Uh, uh, Royce can draw. Royce can draw. And if I told Royce to create a picture on on that board right now, uh, Royce can create an amazing picture. He can think inside of his mind, say, I want to create a picture of Vanessa. And he goes to that board and he creates Vanessa. And we all celebrate Royce's ability to create Vanessa. But if we look at his drawing and we look at his picture, we begin to realize that Royce didn't do it by himself because Royce needed those markers. Royce needed that board. Royce needed this room. Royce needed his mind to work in order to get the picture there, which means that Royce is nothing more but a vessel of the creature that he created, which means that he depended on something and that thing depended on something and that thing depended on something, which means that Royce's picture isn't self-sufficient. But God is so sufficient that he creates the markers. He creates the board. He creates the room. He creates the atmosphere. And he makes something out of nothing. Y'all go out of here. And that's why in Psalms 19 and 1, it says the heavens declare the works of the Lord. What it is saying is that I know, Sky says, I know that I ain't here without you. The trees say, I know that I'm not here without you. The ground says, I know that I'm not here without you. The air says, I know that I'm not here without you. So everything gives God glory to say, God, we thank you because all things, including us, were created by you. That's why the scripture says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Y'all with me? Yes, yes. So the difference between us, no matter how creative we are, is that we need resources to create whatever we're creating. But the difference between us and God is that when God wants something, he can look at something that's nothing and say, I want to put something there. Speak it. And something that never was becomes. Am I talking too deep? So we, we go there and we, we see this type of thing, but then it goes a step further is that God not only creates, but God is forward thinking in his creative power. Yes. Oh, I love talking to y'all today. God is not only a creative, but he's forward thinking in his creative power, meaning that God knew that he wanted the earth to have trees. He knew that he wanted the animals to replenish. So what he did was he put seed inside of them Mm -hmm. that in the case they die, the work doesn't die. (laughs) God put seed inside of man in the case that if he dies, but he has children, Mm -hmm. his work doesn't die. But then he goes a step further and he puts blood inside of man. Thank you. 
and blood is the beginning of all things. Yes. So when you go to Psalms 26, uh, I'm sorry, Acts, the 26th chapter and the 17th verse, or the 17th chapter and the 26th verse, I'm backwards, you, you begin to see that Paul says that we, by one drop of blood, are here by God. Right. Which means that God, one of blood, and said through generations this portion of blood will be through all generations. That's why you can trace your genealogy through blood. Go all the way back to Africa and find out who your roots are through your blood. Because God in his purpose forward thinking knew that he had to put something inside of us so that we could be traced forever. Amen. He's forward thinking. So he's not only self-sufficient, he's not only all sufficient, but he's forward thinking in his sufficiency. That before you even think of your next step, he's already provided a way for you before you got there. (laughs) My dad messed me up one day. He said, "Uh, I bought this house and little did I know that years prior, uh, God was using some man with a chainsaw to to knock down a tree that was going to be the wood that was going to be used to be my house. Some lamb had to die or be shaved for you to be warm today. This is the sufficiency of God. There are all different types of things that are going on around the earth and it doesn't make sense on why it's happening and things are breaking apart and things are happening and things are dying. And all has to do to suffice and to give you providence for your future. Those of y'all that eat meat, somebody's chicken just neck got broke this morning. So you can get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. (laughs) Selena like, Lord, I had one this week. (laughs) And it just shows that God makes provision ahead of time before we're even thinking about ahead of time. So the 23rd Psalm, I said all that to say this, shows us the complete sufficiency of God. The Lord is my shepherd. He understands that God is vast. He understands that God is somewhat vague because we'll never completely understand the fullness of God in our lifetime. You you can read as many systematic theology books as you want, but whoever wrote them, they have a finite mind and they have a limit. So you'll be good. You'll know a little bit more than the person that sits beside you, but you'll never be able to know the complete mind of God, which is why he says, my ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts are your thoughts, because you'll never be able to figure out the mind of God concerning everything that he does. So what what David does is he recognizes because we have a finite mind, I have to try to uh, give you an understanding of what God is at your level. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put him at layman's terms to where we all can understand or have some type of understanding about the sufficiency of God. The Lord is my shepherd. We live out in fields and grass and sheep and we understand how shepherds work. So let me try to explain to you how God works through a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is everything that I need. If you know anything about a good shepherd, he knows that the sheep are hungry before they know they're hungry. Amen. He knows when to take them out to the field so that they can gaze for grass. 
He knows when to draw them in because there's wolves walking around trying to devour his sheep. He understands and he has vision and views of areas that sheep can't see. So being a good shepherd means I'm overseeing everything that my sheep may not oversee. So he compares us to the sheep and he makes God the shepherd. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because God is making provision for me. Even when I don't see him making the provision, he makes me to what lie down in green pastures. So watch this because sometimes I can become so full of myself. And so full of the green pastures, get so full of eating that he has to make me lie down and rest so I don't become consumed with everything in life. Amen. Sometimes we get so consumed in work, so consumed in family, so things that God has to make us lie down and rest so we don't become overtaken by everything that's going on in our life. We all, all have been overwhelmed. Oh, yeah, I'll give you the best example. Christmas season, holiday season, when you're trying to look out for everybody. That third cousin you ain't seen in three years, but you feel obligated to give him a gift. And you just somewhere going everywhere, doing everything. You become overwhelmed. And every once in a while, God has to make you lie down so that you don't become overconsumed in everything but him. Amen. Amen. So he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And what does he do? He leads me where? Beside the still waters. Why still waters? Because if he got me near a crazy river, there's a possibility that I would be carried away. Mm. Not only that, but the reason why he puts me beside still waters is because sheep are very agitated by noise. So if they hear water that is too loud, they become scared and confused and they'll run away from something that should be provision for them. So what he does is he leads them beside something that won't allow them to be carried away in it. Mm. And sometimes God will put you in places and put you in situations that he keeps you from being swept away from it. Mm. How many times if we would have allowed ourselves to get caught up in things, we would have been swept away from it. But God puts us by the steel waters so that we don't get caught up in situations that will sweep us away and take our lives. But God is a God of provision and he makes sure that the water is just right so you don't become consumed in everything that's going on in your life. He is a God of sufficiency. He leads me beside what the steel waters. He restores my soul. I want to work with that word restore. The word restore, when we think of restore, we think of restoration, we think of uh, uh, renovation and putting things back in. But the word restore actually means to put back. He restores my soul, meaning that there are times that the sheep wants to go astray, but God draws me back. There are times that I want to give up, but God draws me back. There are times that I'm tired of this church, but God draws me back. There's times I'm tired of going to work every day, but he draws me back. There's times that I'm getting ready to flip out. Y'all quiet in here. I'm getting ready to have a fit. I'm getting ready to tell somebody about themselves, but he draws me back. He restores my soul. Y'all better thank God that you got a God that restores your soul. Because some of y'all would have been in prison this year if he wasn't a restorer. I got one witness. <laughs> he restores 
my soul. He draws me back in when he sees that I'm going too far away. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's why you got to stay connected to God. Now, how does he draw me back in, y'all say? Because I'm not actually a sheep. He ain't got no stick. I'm not in the club, and he pulled me by my neck out the club. (laughs) So how does he restore my soul? That's a great question, ain't it? He restores your soul by you opening the book. And when you open this Bible... And you open the scriptures and you read the scriptures and it begins to show you who you really are and begins to reveal to you how messy you really are. It begins to restore your soul. It begins to make you say, you know what? I got to get right in this area of my life. You know what? I was wrong in that situation. You know what? I need to apologize to this individual. You know what? I need to fix this. And that's how your soul is being restored. That's how he drawing you back in. But if you don't open this Bible. There's a possibility that you'll get go astray and he'll never be able to restore your soul. So David is saying he restores my soul because there are times that I'm ready to go AWOL. There are times that I'm ready to leave. I'm, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to, to tell this boss to stick this job somewhere. You see, y'all telling on yourself. <laughs> And he has to restore my soul and remind me, you need this job, boy. Get it together. (laughs) He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is all about his glory. Yes, yes. Everything that I do should be to glorify God. Watch this. I should be glorifying God in every part of my life every day. Amen. That's something that should be a mission statement in our own personal minds. Amen. When you're doing whatever you're doing during the course of the week, you have to ask yourself, am I glorifying God with what I'm doing? Hmm. Am I glorifying God at this job? Or am I acting like everybody else? Am I glorifying God in my home? Or because it's in my home and nobody knows how I really act at home? (laughs) My kids know I'm a mess, but they better not say nothing. All right, you about to have a problem. Let me stop. (laughs) But when I glorify God in every day of my life, I'm not convicted. When I glorify God in every day of my life, and I know I'm talking slow today. We'll get somewhere in a minute. When I glorify God every day of my life, I'm not having to live a hypocritical life. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is nothing more but somebody that's two-faced. That's right. That is actually the true definition of a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody that puts on a mask when they're over here and takes it off when they're over there. Mm. But when I walk in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, there's no mask. I am who I am at work just like I am and who I am when I'm here. I'm here like I am with the family reunion just like I'm here, I am when I'm, you know, amongst the church folks. Because my design and my desire is to glorify God in every aspect of my life and whatever I do. Now, let me ask you this. Do I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Somebody like, whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but do I do but, do? but does that conviction hit me when I find myself in an area that I shouldn't be? Absolutely. So he says, yay. Watch this. This is my favorite part. We, we, might, we might park here. Is this one? I'm a, I'm a hoop. Stop. Yay. Though I walk through what? 
of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Ooh, all right, all right. This, there's a lot to, 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 to work with here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, comma, pause, I will fear no evil. Y'all like, what, what are you saying? Y'all with me? Now, he just said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Everything sounds good right so far, right? All that sounds good, right? And then all of a sudden, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no. How do we just shift from everything being all right to going through some shadow of death? Which tells me that sometimes God will allow me to go through some shadows of death and it's all part of his plan. Oh, y'all quiet. (laughs) Sometimes some of the hardest parts of my life is part of the plan of God. Y'all don't want to hear that. Amen. I was doing all right. And now all of a sudden I find myself in the valley of the shadow of death. But you know what? Yay. (laughs) Y'all missed it. I'm in the shadow of death. But you know what? Yay. I'm going to say that again for some of y'all that was in those classes like mine. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But... Yay. Meaning I'm in agreement with it if it's part of God's plan. I don't like it. I don't want to go through it. I'm struggling with it. But if it's part of God's plan, then yay. Mm. Why do I have to go through the valley of the shadow of death? Do you know what the translation of shadow is? It means to grope in the dark. It means to have a pathless journey. It means that you don't know what your next step is. It means you don't know where God is going to make a way out of no way. It's when you're in a situation where your back is against the wall and it's God or nothing. Oh, I wish I had somebody that's been there before. It's a doctor report that says there's no way in the world that you're going to come out of this, but you still have to look at God and say, yay. Mm. Woo. And through it all, I will fear no evil. I don't know what's going on. It just seems like I'm walking in the dark. But God, if this is your plan, yay. I don't know what Monday holds tomorrow. I only got enough money for Sunday. But yay. I don't know what my job holds by the end of this year. But yay. I will fear no evil. How can you fear no evil, brother David? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. And I can't give you all those three verses and then start stressing out in verse four. That's right. Y'all quiet. How are you going to have this great testimony of how good God is? And then all of a sudden, when you get under pressure, your, your whole psalm changes. Yeah. What David is basically saying, 
how good God is in the third verse, the first three verses. And even though I'm going through a hard time in the fourth verse, I just need to let you know that I still will fear no evil because I know that the Lord is my shepherd. For you are with me. I'm almost done, y'all. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Meaning that when something gets in the way, your rod jumps in. And it protects me. Thank you, Lord. When things try to come up and disrupt me, God, I know that you got my back. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm not afraid because your rod and your staff, it comforts me. Watch this. Notice he doesn't say my rod and staff, your rod and staff, meaning that I'm out of control of this situation, but I know who's in control. That's right. Mm. And too many times we try to bring control over the situation rather than recognizing that we're the sheep and he's the shepherd. Yes. So thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And watch this. And after all of that, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> when I can prove to you that I can walk through the shadow of death and fear no evil, you'll prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy. I'm almost done, y'all. I ain't got much to say today. I'm almost here. Shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Are y'all ready for this? And I'm closing. I'm going to close it. I'm going to drop the mic after this. I'm going to drop it. Randy Watson. I said all this to say this. About to drop a bar. (laughs) (laughs) The Lord is my I shall not he lie down in green pasture. He he leadeth he leadeth in a path of righteousness. He leadeth he leadeth he leadeth meaning he's the leader. He leadeth me. He's ahead of me. He leads me. He what leads me. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And surely goodness and mercy shall which means that God's got my front. God's got my side. And God's got my back. And when I realize that the Lord's got my front, God's got my back, and God's got my side, y'all quiet in here. (laughs) I told y'all bars, uh, y'all, I told you, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. And I'm not afraid. I cannot have fear because God's got my front, my side, and my back too. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. And when I realize he's got my front, thank you. and when I realize thank you. and when I realize he's got my side, thank you, Lord. then I recognize that I must dwell yes. in the house of the Lord yes. forever. Yes. And e- y'all quiet. <laughs> this I told you I could hoop right there. Forever. <laughs> and ever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 
God's got my back. God's got my front. God's got my sides. And if he got my front, my sides, and my back, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies, came up against me, they stumbled and they fell. (laughs) Joshua is sitting there book of Joshua and the angel of the Lord stands upon him and he says whose side are you on y'all Paul goes a step further and he says if God be for us then who can be against us y'all the Abraham looks at the angel and says or the angel looks at Abraham and says is there anything too hard for the Lord but then Paul comes in Hebrews and says for without faith it is impossible to please y'all quiet in here when God is on your side anything can come up against you but when he's got your front it can't hurt you when he's got your side it can't hurt you and when he's got your back it can't hurt you and that's why Isaiah says no weapon formed against me shall prosper thank you Lord I know that's Amen. right that's my Amen. Amen. who thank you who what who what when when Can you make me turn my back on a God that has been a provider? He's been a provider in my future before I ever got there. He's been a provider in my present for he is a present help. He's been a provider in my past because I wouldn't got where I am right now if he didn't bring me through what I've been through. So I'm able to look at my past and say thank you. you. I'm able to look at what I went through and say thank you. you. I'm able to celebrate some of my hurts and say thank you. you. I'm able to look at some of the losses and say thank you. I'm glad you left my life. I'm glad you got away from me. I'm glad we separated because if we didn't go through what we went through, I wouldn't be here. So now sometimes you got to look back at your past and say thank you, Jesus. for the hurt. Oh God, I know this sounds crazy, but thank you for the hurt. Thank you for the pain. Thank you for what I went through. I'm done, y'all. So, God is sufficient because he has your front He has your side and he has your back. (laughs) David, I'm going to leave that alone. But David actually talks in three persons in Psalms. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. But then he talks to the third person. And that's the person you're talking to. Or the second person. Then he goes to the third person. And that's the person you're talking about. (laughs) He gets so good, he starts talking to himself about God and to God. He gives us a threefold understanding of the sufficiency of God. How? Because God is three in one. 
He's God the Father. He's God the Son. And he's God the Holy Ghost. So he gives us a threefold understanding of God just so we can understand the threefold of God. Oh, man. And he begins to share with us that it's God. It's God with us. And it's God in us. It's God, God the Father. It's God with us, Jesus. It's God in us, the Holy Spirit. I love how y'all just looking at me. If God is in your front, your side, and your back, he's all sufficient. He's all you need. And what makes him so amazing is he can make something out of nothing. So why would I depend on somebody that needs another resource to help me? Then go to the resource of resources. The doctor needs medicine. The lawyer needs the law. But God is the lawgiver. And he is Jehovah Rapha. (laughs) He's everything that I need. So when I pray, I don't pray to man. I don't pray to people. I feel for a diagnosis, but they can't heal me. There's only one name that I can call on. That's it. And when I call on that name, that name is above every name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm going to give you three steps, three, 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 three uh, points, and I'm going to sit down, y'all. I I, I ain't got got 45 minutes in me today. Number one, I hope this was good enough for y'all. Praise God. Number one, God needs no help. God is sufficient. God has everything that you need. And before you seek any other resource, you need to go to him first. Can I help you? God is a God of wisdom. Yes. So I want to help some folks that say, well, I ain't, I ain't going to the doctor. No, God is a God of wisdom. Yes. And sometimes you'll pray and God will tell you to go to the hospital. That's right. Because he anointed a doctor. That's right. To meet you there. Amen. So when we go into all these Christian sciences and things of that sort, where you let babies die and all that, that's not using the wisdom of God. Using the wisdom of God is going to God in prayer, getting understanding. And sometimes God will, Luke was a physician. And Luke traveled with Paul. So there were doctors in the Bible. I don't know why I'm saying all that. So although God is all sufficient, God will use resources and use people to bring certain healings and bring certain solutions to your problems. So he put a lawyer in law school to help you with your legal trouble. He put a real estate agent in school to help you buy your house. He put a doctor in med school to give you the prognosis, diagnosis, and give you, you know, some medication. Number two. He leads us. He stands behind us. And he stands (laughs) beside us. Oh, I I read it wrong. He leads us. He stands beside beside us and he's behind us. So he's all sufficient. He's everywhere. Front, side, back. Number three. Oh, I didn't even get to that point. Valleys will teach you who you are. (laughs) Sometimes God will put you in a valley 
not only for you to reveal for him to reveal you to you, but for him to reveal those that are around you. So sometimes God will put you in low places to see who the real friends are that's going to call you when you're down. Amen. Hey, in there. Uh oh. (laughs) Sometimes you'll be in a low place and you'll really get to see who really, who's really your homie. That's right. Or who's your homie when everything's going well. That's right. Who's your homie when you got the Sixers tickets? (laughs) But who's your homie when I ain't got no money? And sometimes valley experiences are designed to prove to you who your real friends are. That's right. Mm. Ten years ago, I had a whole lot of friends. Mm. Doc, I got you. You my bro. (laughs) Two years ago, I went through a valley. Two years later, about two of them stood. And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking outside of the church. Because when I had nothing else to offer them, when I had no platform to put them on, when I had no flyer to put them on, when I had no event, no service to offer them, I was no longer any good for them. And some people are only good for when you have something that is beneficial for them. When everything's going well, we bros. But when things fall apart, I don't know, man. <laughs> so valleys will show you who you are, but I should have put a comma, and who those around you are. Amen. I'm going to give you your five uh, reflection scriptures, and then, oh, I have four. There we go. When you trust him, you'll never be led astray. I know that sounds crazy. But sometimes the wilderness that God is leading you in is part of his plan. What are you saying? (laughs) Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. For I'm going to enter into a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to bring y'all into y'all promise. God brings them out. And for 40 years, led by God, they walk through a wilderness for 40 years. Which means that the desert walk was part of God's plan. Jesus gets baptized. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then the Bible says, and the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Which tells me that God never led Jesus astray. God never led the children of Israel astray. But the wilderness was part of their walk. And sometimes the wilderness is part of your walk. Because that's your proving ground to show God that you're ready to go to the next phase or the next level of your life. Amen. Five scriptures and I'm done. Four, four, right? Five, five. Reflection scriptures. You can go to the website or social media. On Monday, Colossians 1, 15 through 16, um, this deals with uh, basically God uh, being self-sufficient. So everything we talked about is wrapped up right there in uh, Colossians 15 and 16. Tuesday, Psalm 19 and 1, this talks about the heavens declaring the works of the Lord. 
Wednesday. Acts 16, I think it should be 17. Let me check. It should, is it 16? I might have told you 16. I think it might be. Yes, Acts 17. I'm sorry. I'll probably send it to you wrong. Acts 17, verses 26 through 28. And this talks about God dropping one portion of blood and how humankind became. All these scriptures I'm giving you are scriptures we talked about today. All right, that night. Uh, wow, you changed it that fast? Mm-hmm. Wow, look at look at technology. Thursday. <laughs> Second Peter 1 and 3. Once again, this deals with the sufficiency of Christ. Finally, Friday. Isaiah 55 and 10. We actually dealt with this in one of our Bible studies uh, a few weeks ago. Um, So this is Isaiah 55 and 10. This is just a little rehearsal so you guys can get this inside of your mind. So once again, you go to the website or you can go to our social media page and um, those scriptures of the week will be listed there. Father, we thank you. Uh, for another opportunity, God, to share your word, God. We thank you, Lord, for just your sufficiency, God. We thank you, Lord, for being everything that we need, God, uh, whenever we need you. And God, today, God, we call upon you, God, to just help us, God, in whatever areas we need help in, God. God, fix those voids, fix those emptiness, fix those hurts, fix those pains, fix the joy, God. Restore our joy. God, for God, you said that you're a restorer, God, and we thank you, Lord, for bringing restoration back into our life. God, pull us in, God, if we seem to go too far out, God. Allow us, God, to trust you, God, and we thank you, God, for learning on today, God, that you have our front, you have our side, and you have our back, God. And we know, God, if you are for us, what can be against us? And Lord, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.